What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. I had on the show 120 kilo junior world champion. He handled some of the best performers at IPF Worlds. A very good friend of the program and a very good friend of mine, Isaac Whistler. We had a fantastic conversation. We talk about pretty much everything that I mentioned there, him handling the flex crew, but also his own performance and a really good conversation about his performance because I don't think it's an expected conversation that one would have after an IPF World Championship win. Also, we talk about just the future into the sport, his experience at IPF Worlds, the intangibleness of being at an IPF Worlds. Like always, whenever me and Isaac talk, it goes into a, just a fantastic natural conversation. That's why I love having him on the show. That's why I love talking to him. This is a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, interview, if you want to call it that. I'd call it a conversation. Um, very similar to our first, but in my opinion, just a little bit better. Awesome conversation. I know you guys are going to love it because everyone loves them. So I'm Isaac Whistler. But before we get into that, i got to talk to you guys about something that everyone definitely loves and that is left floor bros ladies and gentlemen visit leftfloorbros.com follow left floor bros apparel on instagram and get yourself the best powerlifting merchandise in the sport everything they drop has been beautiful fantastic dope whatever you want to say it has been awesome they just released some joggers and tank tops and dad hat that entire tee that entire fit my girlfriend made me change it because I just looked too good. She could not concentrate how good I looked. It is jogger season. It is fall. Make sure you're getting everything on that drop and including all the other designs that they have. Use promo code 2WL15 to save yourself some money. That is promo code 2WL15. Also, when you're on leftlovebros.com, you can get yourself some Two White Lights merchandise on twowhitelights.com. If you hit that shop link, you will be directed right to Left Flare Bros, and you can get yourself all of our designs. We just released our Twitching Out. We have a new colorway dropping soon with that as well. We have a lot of other designs, our classic tea fight night, off the top rope, dad hats, even banners. Use that same promo code 2WL15. So... 2WL15, Left Floor Bros Merchandise, and 2 White Lights Merchandise, all sold exclusively on leftfloorbros.com. Also, get make sure you're going on lift.net and get yourself some Stoic gear. Use promo code ANGELO10. Save yourself some money on already affordable, affordable singlets, wrist wraps, knee sleeves. I wear Stoic gear in the gym on the platform because it is the best, it is the most quality, and also... It is affordable. You will not break a bank. You are also not paying for just the logo. You are paying for quality, and that's where you're going to get out of Stoic. Remember that promo code, Angelo10, and remember to also go to NotoriousLift.com and follow NotoriousLift on Instagram and get yourself some no-slip-drip Notorious Lift slippers. You do not want to miss out on their drops. You definitely want to take a look out for their colorways because all their colorways will match at least one of your gym attires, at least one of your platform attires. They have so many different designs, so many different colorways that you will not be disappointed. And the performance of the shoe is fantastic. It is the best shoe to deadlift in. I even use them to bench as well. Use promo code ANG, A-N-G-15, to save yourself some money on Notorious Lift Slippers. Make sure... Sign up for the newsletter to get yourself a head start on those drops because those drops sell out quick and also be on the lookout for relaunches. And remember to subscribe to Two White Lights on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star 
rating, leave a review as well, and make sure you subscribe to our new and improved website, 2whitelights.com. We have more developments coming from that. Very excited. And without further ado, here it is, 2 White Lights. And as promised, I got with me a two white lights favorite, a favorite of mine, and someone that I can honestly say is a world champion. Isaac Whistler, how are you, man? I'm great, doing good. Man, how you feeling? I'm so I'm incredibly happy to talk to you again because you had a, such a great one performance at Worlds, but two, you were just so involved at Worlds, and I was just happy to see it because one of the few people that I was like really like pushing to get into Worlds was you and Keiko, and it looks like you two just really relished in it. So how how is it? Is it like a come down effect? Uh, so firstly. I like talking to you, so thanks for having me oh, on. Thanks, I always, man. always appreciate thanks. the Angelo conversations. Thanks, but, Mr. Whistler. Um, honestly, like, yeah. I mean, it's to be in the same field as Keiko is also a very big um, uh, accomplishment. So thank you for that. But, uh, yeah, I definitely did relish it. I took it in. Um, I will say that. I'm not happy with my performance. You can say that it's like a big performance, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. But, um, yeah. No, I would say, I think, I mean, I was in Sweden for an extra week. So that was kind of my cool down. Um, and now that I'm back home, it's like I'm ready to get after it. I haven't been in the week. I haven't been in the gym for two weeks. So, like, I'm very excited to get back into things. And I didn't really have, like, a, a come down effect because – I competed and then I got right into handling and it was like business. And then I chilled with everybody and then stayed in Sweden for a little bit. So it was kind of like, yeah, it was, it was just like a very big vacation and very enjoyable and close to no come down because the worst part of the trip was the meat for me personally. And like it, it like, I didn't have time to, to process it because I had to handle. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I I know I experienced that myself. Whenever I compete, like the come down of like adrenaline, and like that's actually the worst part is like the three or four days you don't get to train. But yeah, you had the handling to do, and that also occupies you. And also something you've been doing for a while for flex, I've noticed this. You've been handling people at a lot of meets, and is this your thing now? Or are you like the handler extraordinaire? Because you got a lot of praise, deservedly so, with the performances from the flex athletes who were the, um, well, I guess were the focal point of the United States Virgin Islands. I mean, I'll take that. <laughs> I love handling. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, it's a great opportunity to be able to meet people, build relationships, and be a part of someone's execution. Like, that's super cool to be able to help someone to get nine for nine or eight for nine and lead them to like a great meet. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like, like, I mean, you know, you know, and I both know, we put months of prep into this. Oh. So if I can make 
their competing experience as easy as possible and just do the work and make them just lift. That's like super awesome to me. But yeah, I, I try, I mean, I travel to my own lifters meets. Um, I, I help Joey's lifters. So it's, it's kind of, I mean, if I could take on the role as personal handler, I would <laughs> gladly take that. <laughs> yeah. Game day, game day, handle game day handling is a skill, man. It's like head coaching in football. It's really a skill to have. And also very, it's a very um, appreciated thing in powerlifting because when I've handled people before, they're just happy that I did it, even though, you know, you have a coaching background. I really don't have a coaching background, but the fact that I'm just there making sure it's an easy meet for them, um, that's they always appreciate that. So when you're handling, like, what, what's, what's exactly on, like, the menu? What's on the game, what's on the, like, the, the game, the, the game plan there? Is it, you know, okay. there's specific things you need or, you know, give it, give us a little rundown on that. Yeah. So usually, um, usually I'll just make sure the lifter's prepared, like, before the meet, unless I know they're going to be prepared, then I, I won't bring it up. But other than that, just make sure they're prepared. And then it's essentially like, if you could think in your brain what a perfect meat would look like, just an easy way in, go immediately, get your food in, get your get your hydration in, go, like handle that well, make sure that your your stomach feels good, and then get right into warm ups at the right time, warm up at the right time, be it, be on the like on the platform at the right time. So it's basically like what I do is I picture in my brain, okay, what would I want from a perfect meat, and then I try my best I can to give them that perfect meat. And so for me. Um, the biggest thing is going to be making sure warm-ups are timed correctly and making sure, well, I would say three main points. One, most importantly, make sure their warm-ups are timed correctly because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the most important because that'll lead to the other two. Yeah. The, the next one would be to make sure that your lifter is comfortable and not stressed. And then the last one is to make sure that you meet all of their needs. Those okay. two are kind of tied, but you want to make sure that all of their needs are taken care of. So. I um I served for four years, so like making sure people's needs are taken care of is is I'm used to that. It's it was my job, so um, handling comes very natural to me, and it, I feel like I'm in my element because it's like it's like I'm literally just serving a table, but I'm serving a lifter in something that I do. Right, we we both compete, so I know what it's like to compete. So it's like all those things, um, and then basically the rest just takes care of itself. Yeah, man, and also just knowing you and talking to you, I know that you would be great at it because you actually genuinely care about, like, other people. Like, you genuinely care about the performance and you're such a nice dude that it, that's really what – sometimes that's what the handling is. Just being really nice to a person and helping them out throughout the meet. I know it's really strategic when we get into placing, but, like, at the very bare minimum, like, if you're just helping the dude or girl out, they are appreciative of it and you're doing a fantastic job. Like, I remember one, the first time I handled someone – I was just at a meet spectating it, and by the way, not good coaching here. The coach was competing that day, and he had an athlete compete on the same day on a different platform, and he's like, hey, can you handle my guy? And I'm like, I can. What's the plan? And they're like, oh, just follow what he says. And that was his first competition. He had no idea like exactly what to do as far as attempts go, and I'm like, okay, this is a weird situation to be in, like, because I really don't know what this guy's top end is on squat, bench, and deadlift. Um, so, you know, this is going to be an adventure here. But really, the the funny thing is, cause he, well, and also, I, like, completely undershot his third attempt squat. Like, we left, like, 10.5 to 
12 kilos on the platform. Oh my it was God. bad. Yeah, we, we left a lot of kilos on the platform. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, that was, I'm like, that was a, that was a fucking crazy squat, but shit, we undershot it. Like it was like an RP eight. We accidentally hit. So I'm like, I don't really, I don't want to make a, make, make, make like a 25 kilo jump from second to third. So we were, you know, just going through it, but also like, even though that happened, he went nine for nine for the day, even though we undershot things, he was just so appreciative that I handled him that day and it was really just making sure all of his needs were uh his need uh needs were met just had making sure he had the salts making sure he had his uh his quads how to properly chalk your quads um when to time your warm-ups please, or uh, powder say, powder no. my bad powder please <laughs> yeah if, uh, yeah if i if i chalk his quads I'd be like all right you're a fucking moron Angela. <laughs> just get the hell out of here but yeah and then when but this is a different situation because it's ipf worlds like the coaching and handling at IPF Worlds and at uh, U.S. Uh, Nationals is that's where you see full coaching and handling. So, were you like in charge of the attempt selections? Was I know you and Joey had to converse about this, but what was that like for you? Really, like dictating World Championship performances. Yeah. Um, I'll, firstly, it's, it's a, I'm going a little bit back on what you said, but it's not always about being nice. And I bring this, the only reason I bring this up is like at one point I had to basically be like very stern with Amanda and like tell her to calm down um, just because we had a lot of things happen. And like at some point you have to like really take control. And like, so being like the nice guy isn't always like the right thing. Cause like I said, that's, that's where that third part comes in where it's, meeting the lifters needs if they need to calm down and you being nice is not working you have to like you have to take control but uh i digress so well it's a good point that you bring up though because that is also coaching too that's like that's that is head coaching in football also getting to your players like there's some players that you have to be stern with there's some Mm -hmm. players that you have to instill their confidence in a kind manner or they shut down if you get that sternness so really understanding that athlete is, uh, is, is a very important aspect of handling. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, um, as far as like the, the calls go, so basically, um, Joey gave me numbers and I did the handling. That was kind of how it worked. So he sent me numbers and was like, Hey, this is the numbers. Some, some lifters, he sent me audio others. It'd be like, I mean, basically just numbers. Cause there wasn't much to it. Um, but he sent me numbers and then we conversed on some things, but for the most part, it was stick to the numbers, drop it by a little bit. If I could like, if I sensed something and other than that, it was, it was pretty smooth sailing. Um, uh, a lot of the things like you'll find, especially at worlds, the planned thirds got moved just a little bit. Um, we had like a lower end and I would say maybe like, one out of three times that lower end would get bumped down a little bit more just because it's worlds and you want to, you would much rather take the attempt than risk anything else. Mm-hmm. So I would say that that would be the biggest thing. Um, there was a couple times where it came up. Like I know Russ's third, like Joey's philosophy is, um, which he said publicly many times, he'd rather bet two and a half to get two and a half and lose two and a half. So like he'd rather jump five kilos on bench than jump two and a half and get it. Um, because if you miss, then you only lost two and a half kilos yeah. on your total, um, which like he wanted to do with Russ's third, but Russ specifically told me, he's like, Hey, 
he literally came off the platform and said, baby jump, baby jump. That's it. And I'm like, okay, we're going two and a half. And so like, that was one of those situations where like, I had to make that call because I'm there and, and Joey only sees like the thing. And like the, the, the reason he told me baby jump was like his forearm was cramping, his chest was cramping, his back was cramping and we wanted to save it for deads. Yeah. And like it ended up, he ended up blowing it up, but we don't know what that two and a half would, that extra two and a half would have done to him. So like that was one, like one call. Um, but yeah, there was like a couple like that. And that's just like, I mean, you have to be there. Like you, you can't, that's one of those things where like you can watch a video all you want, but if you're not there reading the, like the energy of the, the lifter, you're not going to get it. This is the, this is the absolute main argument in getting camera crews behind those, the curtains and in the back to actually see the handling and coaching going on. Cause that is possibly the most interesting thing a powerlifting meets is watching the interactions between coaches and athletes and seeing how they're playing it out. Like I, I, I mean, I, I think the, the first experience I got of that was the Arnold and I was blown away by it. I'm like, Oh, this is what, this is what coaching is, huh? I'm like, this is, this is the difference between uh, local meets and the regular session. And then this is where the big boys are, the Arnold. Then they got to nationals this year. Then he saw more. He got to see flex in action. He got to see the TSA guys. He got to see the strength guys. He got to see Matt Gary do it. He got to see my coach do it. Like, and really work on the competitiveness and call those numbers. And a lot of the things you said with you is like, that was, I saw that throughout the day. And that's like the kind of the sign of good coaching and really understanding your lifter and what to do as far as the strategy goes. Cause that's, that's one of the things that's so lost in powerlifting, and we don't get to see it, and it pisses me off. I, I'm going to try to convince USAPL so just get a camera crew behind there and just like try, try to see these conversations, try to see what's going on, because coaches are looking at other people too. Yeah, the hard part is that, I mean, it's very like, it's not that public. Like, you're, you want to be quiet. Because you don't want, I mean, you're strategizing, right? You're strategizing numbers in your head to beat the other person. It's like a chess match. So you don't want them to hear it. So I don't know if like the the cameras and audio would be able to be picked up. um, Well, talking stuff like that. But but like the really, but like the just the subtle things though. Just those subtle things of like, like seeing me get off the platform and looking at Joe and being like, like just like that it's or just making the face like mm, uh yeah this is audio so this is uh, actually bad radio for me to be hand, making hand gestures but like that face like eh, that second attempt didn't move well let's make the two and a half kilo or scratch it or give the yeah. kind of the the hand the the, the throat the throat slash like no cut it scratch it scratch that third and those, those things those things those, were, those, those things would still be like like really interesting to watch at live. Those like, would be good. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, okay. So what's going on here? Like that actually moved well, but the lifter's telling the coach something. Um and it's just it's a it man, it's 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 so it's so much fun to be a part of that, like in that back and really see the the coaching and actual the strategy of powerlifting because Especially at, at national meets and yeah. like worlds. Because I think the not to cut you off, but I think like it happens so much because lifters are so in tune with their training and their bodies because they're literally the elite. So they're able to be like, to be mature enough to be like, Hey, don't, don't go up that much when in, on paper it says to go up that much. And that's where like an intermediate lifter would, would miss. Cause they just mm-hmm. be like, Oh, I'll go to lower end, maybe in the middle. And then they fail. But like an elite lifter can adjust on the day 
because they want that nine for nine and build the total. And like, that's where those elite interactions like come in. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's one thing to see like these amazing accomplishments on the platform and see big weights. But I think there's something to be said about the strategy of powerlifting. Like it is something that's, that's not talked about enough. Um, I think if the USAPL and IPF gets a little, like starts to make super big inroads on the untested side, then I think it'll be more known to people because the untested side, I'm not throwing any shots here, not saying anything, but the untested side is like the attempt selections don't make sense because it's so all over the place because it's, I mean, it makes sense because it's always going best. It's like, it's all best overall lifter. It's always based on Wilkes. It's hard to call attempts that way. And people don't get it. It's like you're just trying to put the best total you have, right? You're supposed to go balls to the walls, RP10 on everything. But if you could win on an RP9, RP8, do it. Like that's the, – the objective is to win, and I don't think that really happens on the untested side because they're making like insane jumps to catch up to Hack and Penson, and it doesn't equate very well. No, it's, it's very hard. And like we had a situation – that came in with Amanda, actually. Yeah, that, I was going to ask. that. That's the hardest thing is best overall lifter because it's not like you're going head-to-head with someone. You're going based off formula and a, at another time that person competes. Yeah, so luckily, luckily we like, Laya competed before Amanda, which is who Amanda was yeah. competing with. So um, she competed before her, so we knew the number she had to hit. So we put in her second. Her we put in Amanda's second squat as the world record because that was an objective that she wanted to hit. So we broke that on her second. If not, we would have went a little bit lighter. Me and Joey both talked about it. We would have went just a little bit lighter to set her up for a better third. So I don't know if you've heard what happened with Amanda, but she ended up like throwing up before the meet, mm-hmm. and it was like she she had a rough time. So there was a lot that was going on. So she she definitely could have been set up a little bit better, but. We went for her second, and it was a little bit harder than we would would have wanted. Me and Joey both talked about it uh, for what we thought we would have wanted in for the third, and we had to reach a little bit because that's what she needed for best lifter. And so we put a little bit too much on the bar. Now, the problem was that we had Amanda's weight in as 84 kg. I mean, it was like Joey and Amanda. They were like they were doing all the best lifter calculation stuff. I was just kind of on the sidelines picking numbers. But they had the weight in as 84 kg, and she weighed in at 83.2. So she knew what she – like, as a girl, she knows, like, what she's going to bench, right? Because girls aren't just going to get five kilos on a bench. Like, it, it just doesn't happen, right? So she knew that top end was 287. If she gets 292, then, like, that's fucking – like, that's great, which ended up happening somehow. So – but – so we knew it was 287 was the number. And then for deadlifts, it was basically, like, she knew, like, that, that, that top end range. So we knew we needed to hit that number for squats, but that was with her weight in as 84. So after bench, we ended up getting an extra two and a half kilo on bench. So we, she ended up only, she only like was planning to get 287, but bench was feeling great for her. So she ended up getting 290, 292, which were, or 293, whatever it is, which is like, which was a, a meat PR for her. So that was awesome. So then going into dads after adjusting with the correct number, um, she ended up pulling for best lifter on her second, got it on her second. I think she beat Laya by 0.06. Super close. 0.06. What's yeah. that? Super close. Razor thin. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she beat her on her second pull. Um, and then it was basically over. And she was like super excited. Like, oh my God, I got best, best lifter. Like, like hugging people. And like, I mean, she probably was like, like excited and like, um, 
celebrating for probably like six minutes. And I think she was three lifters out. And I, I said, Amanda, like, you, you got to get focused now. You have one more lift, <laughs> please. So we went up just two and a half, which actually gave her an all-time meet PR deadlift as well. So she ended up getting a meet PR bench and a meet PR deadlift. So that two and a half, that extra two and a half kilos was just icing on the cake um, and just ended up edging out Laya by a little bit more than we had to because we had already beat her on the second pool. Yeah. Yeah, what was what was the deal then with uh, what was said on King of Lifts and with Bill McCarthy? Like, I'm I'm still confused on what was yeah. said because I so I but I don't I, know how you could come to that conclusion when basing off her second performance, she got it on the win. Yeah, so I I only wa- I only I only listened to a part of it because I mean Joey was the one that was fired up about it. So I like I asked Joey when it was and I listened to it, and it seemed like like Bill was very convinced that we made a mistake and that we only jumped two and a half because we messed up on the second and that just wasn't the case. So, I mean, we could have jumped five, but that would have been like, I mean, five pounds for a girl is a lot, especially when you're in Amanda weights. So like, I think from, from my understanding of the situation, Bill thought that we messed up on the second attempt for best lifter and didn't get it. So we had to jump two and a half kilos, a small jump, the, the least that we like had to, so that we could get best lifter. When in reality, we had best lifter locked up on the second and the third pull was, was only two and a half kilos up because it was already a heavy oh. weight for her. And that's the best she's ever hit in a meet. Oh, okay. So he's just flat out wrong. He just didn't know. <laughs> I mean, he just didn't I'm know. I mean, this that. happens because I'm, I'm, right, I'm in the podcasting. I, I get it. This happens. Like where one, you just, you, yeah. you fuck up because there's too much information to take on. And then you just say something because you're not a hundred percent sure or you don't yeah. have the absolute specifics. I thought he was just like saying with the attempt selections, and I'm like, that was the perfect attempt selection because he won best overall lifter on her second pull. Like I don't know. Yeah, no. I think the I think the thing was like he was very adamant. Like I, I listened to the section, and I think it was like two or three times that he was he was he was very adamant that it was it was wrong. And I think like I, I think like I I remember him saying like it was definitely a mistake, and it kind of like. I mean, I can see why Joey got fired up. No, I could too. Because when you're, yeah, when when someone who doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about, like, is saying, I'm not saying in general he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about, but in this situation, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's literally wrong. He's incorrect. And you say it with such certainty, it pisses people off. Like, I totally get that. Like, if someone said that, I'm like, you are wrong, and you're acting so confident that you're right. It's making me annoyed. If they were like, I'm not sure what happened here, but did they get the second attempt wrong? Then it's like, okay. Yeah. It, it, yeah, yeah. But when you say definitely they fucked up, it's like, all right, you're saying with too much confidence, and because of your confidence, I'm getting pissed. Like, yeah. I got actually I mean, both sides of that, because I'm on the other side a lot, where people are like, Angelo, you're an idiot. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I'm like, guilty. That happens on occasion, but then I understand Joey being like, "Yo, our coaches and handlers did a fantastic job, and you're just going to say just totally incorrect things." I'm a little annoyed by that, so I'm like, I understand like both sides of that. Yeah, I'm very non-confrontational. I'm just in the middle. So. Oh yeah, you're non-confrontational unless we're at a Red Lobster with Ash and Roska and some of your <laughs> friends, and we're just arguing the entire time, and all the tables are looking at us like, "What the fuck is wrong with these people?" Listen, I'm non-confrontational with with people I'm not at a friend level with. 
Yeah. But yeah, so I, I wanted to get that cleared off just for my own sake because I just didn't know what the whole situation was, just to a complete extent. Um I think we gotta talk also about uh uh before we get into your performance, uh Keiko. Keiko's attempt selections was pretty much like attempt selection porn. I think there was there was memes created about how great it was, and it was the best battle of the male side of IPF World. So, you know, like this, you know, take us behind the scenes on that too. I would, love, I mean, I'm planning on having Keiko on, but I just the 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 situation there of how close it was. It had to be, it had to be pressure filled, but at the same time, like you and Keiko together, I could think of some really calm, cool, collected people. And, yeah, those are those I mean, are two it was, people. <laughs> it was actually yeah, honestly, I was oh, man. I don't even know how to collect my words, but thinking like in the moment, it was like oh, okay, cool. We we got three squats, we got three bench, we got three deads. But like thinking about it now, it was really good. Like selection, <laughs> not <laughs> not like being conceited and an asshole, but simply like. I just was, I'm like replaying the, the videos in my brain of his thirds and like, man, it was good. And like, <laughs> not only was it good, I think if Gustav had to drop his deadlift by two and a half kilos, he would have gotten it. So literally we had to do it. Like we had to pick those numbers. So I'm actually getting lit now because maybe it was a good job. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, nah, I mean, so actually Keiko was another situation where his third squat was two and a half kilos lower than his planned third. Like, it was like, we have like a low end, a top end and like anywhere in between. And it was two and a half lower than his lowest end. So like, that was another situation where like, we just have to make that call on the day. And I mean, he didn't have another two and a half kilos. He didn't have another, another two and a half kilos on bench and he didn't have, a, I told him he didn't have another chip on dead. <laughs> like he didn't have anything. So it was, yeah, I mean, it was, it was like very, very solid. Um, but yeah, so we, we dropped the squat a little bit, two and a half kilos. And then bench, we actually, he said he was feeling really, really good. So we almost went up another two and a half kilos. I can't remember exactly what he said. Um, I think he said his back, I think he said his back locked up, which is why it made it a little bit harder, but his second absolutely flew. So we almost jumped an extra two and a half on bench, but if we would have done that, he, he may have missed and then could have lost because of that. So we definitely did pick the right number there. Joey was in on that one too. Um, kind of like helping me decide just between the both of them mm-hmm. and, and Keiko was helped me as well. And then dad's like, uh, I've explained this situation one other time before, but uh, basically I came up to him. Um, me and Joey talked about it quite a bit. And then I like made the decision to go up to him and be like, Hey, like, what do you think you have? Because we knew what number we had to put on because we, we about knew what Gustav was able to pull. So we, I asked him what he thought he had. He said he thought he had seven fifty five, seven sixty. Um, seven, seven fifty to seven sixty, but he basically told me put on whatever you have to do to win. And so, um, we were debating on seven fifty to seven fifty five, maybe seven sixty, but we weren't really thinking. But after he told me seven sixty, I'm like, okay, I wanted seven fifty just because I think his second was seven thirty eight or seven thirty two. So if he can get seven fifty, that makes um, Gustav has to have to pull at least like seven six seven seven seventy, I think seven seventy even. 
So um, we were up by eight kilos on dents. So if he could pull 750, um, Gustav would have to pull eight kilos more than that. If he, if he can pull 755, then Gustav has to pull eight kilos more than that, which it ended up being, I think Gustav definitely had a shot at eight kilos more than 750. So we, um, we talked to him. If he, he said he had 760 or thought he had 760. So I put on 755 and if he misses, then like, I mean, what can you do, right? If, if the lifter says that they have mm-hmm. five kilos more and, and you put in five kilos less and they miss still, then it's like, I mean, it, that that's one of those situations where it's like, well, maybe we misread it. Maybe I should have went with the super safe 750. But if he would have told me he only had 755, I'm probably only going 750 just to be extra safe. So it was just one of those those, those game time game time calls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also I'm, I'm actually making a big assumption here, but uh, Keiko probably just calm cool and collected the entire time giving these these uh attempts right um actually that's probably the most flustered i've ever seen keiko <laughs> yeah because i i mean talking he's always just so he's he delivers everything with such poise like even just conversations like yeah he's a very easy guy to talk to because he's so poised and then just looking at him like kind of prepare for me it's like he just seems like he's got it kind of wrapped up and he seems very calm and composed on the platform which is um an underrated skill in powerlifting composure Absolutely. And I would say like, again, this is my interpretation of the way he was at a meet. I know some people like, some people get upset if you put them in a box and like, this is how you say they are because they can't like, they can't defend themselves and stuff like that. Right. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's not a bad thing, but Keiko was, I I liked it because it made Keiko human. Keiko sometimes is like, he's just too, he's too perfect. (laughs) So (laughs) Uh, it was cool to see him like it wasn't that he was nervous but he was definitely more like it was like you could it's like you always know Keiko's brain is moving and he has like a poise like you said but on meet day that like brain movement is more verbal so he'll he'll be doing like the 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 thinking out loud so like when I'm talking to him I'm like oh like Keiko what do you think you have and he'll be like well I don't know like like, what do you think we should put on the bar? What, what do I need to win? Like, and he's talking about it to me, which like he doesn't usually do. So it was very, very, it was cool to, to see mm-hmm. like that different version of him. And I don't know about you um, and how many people you've handled or you yourself, people become different people on meet day. And mm-hmm. that's not to say it's a bad thing, but I mean, there's a difference between competing and just in the gym or not even yeah. in the gym, just out at wherever, right? There's like some people have a switch and they become like an asshole or like so there's some people that like deal with their nerves by being excited and like laughing and that's me. So like if you see me on meet day just getting lit, like it's because I'm comfortable and we're, we're out here about to lift some weights. But then, <laughs> then other people is like business and they just go in and lift the weights and like – don't talk to me, lift my waist. And that's it. That's we, we do the work. So, and not to say that any of those are bad, but people definitely act a little bit differently on meet day. And I think that's another cool part is like, you don't see that. That's, that's like the, it's like a pureness with handling somebody is you get to see, cause they're in like, they're in like primal mode. They're in like a different, like mm-hmm. they're, just, they're just different. Yeah, so you get to see that. Yeah. It's, it's, ga- cool. it's game day stuff, you know, like that's the stuff I saw in sports growing up in my life is people who are in practice and people are in game day. Like I'm the opposite from, I'm still, I'm like kind of stern in the gym, but on meet day, I got to be like a little bit looser. I got to be more relaxed. I got to like, just make sure I'm, then that's kind of how I calm down. 
but in the gym I'm a little more stoic and a little bit more like into my you know sternness and the kind of like all right let's let's not let's not fuck around let's not goof around today but then the meat's like completely different and it is interesting to see that it's like when you and also when you know the people like when you like that's another cool thing this is just from a competitor standpoint when you know the person and you're competing with them and then you know how they act just normally like every single time but then you actually see them on meat day and it's just like a completely different human being like it's it's, it's 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 actually almost a humorous thing at times like it's funny to see them like act in that environment like what the f- like what are you doing like I, I that's not how you act it is it's yeah. like it's not it's like it's not how you it's like you know you act around me man like what's what's with it and it's because it's you know it's a meat day shit like it's it's when you get to actually warm up and compete with people um and especially because we it feels like we all know each other now that's a great thing, I guess, about the whole social media shit. Like we kind of know each other yeah. just based on conversations, and we're always just fucking around. But then on meet day, you know, like you either get the people who still fuck around, and then uh, like hey, hey uh, you know who was uh, Jesus? Jesus. Oh, well, even though I kind of know how like serious he he can get, but yeah. like when I saw him in nationals on meet day, I'm like, okay. I'm just going to give him fist bump and then fucking leave because he does not want to like hear me make any jokes right now. Correct. Like I yeah. like, he does not want, he does not want to hear my shit. Like I'm like, what's up? What's up, mega? Boom. I'm out. I'm like, I'm going to go spectate. Like, I'm not going to even give you a pep talk. Like you would probably tell, he's like, he'll probably be like, man, get out of here. Like, I don't yeah. that shit. He was very like, he was like hyper focused. Yeah. He, he just kept his music in and, and like, I'd tell him when to warm up and then he'd, do it early <laughs> and i'm like i'm like is this stop you're going too fast uh because he was he was in the zone he was hyper focused and i mean it was almost like it was almost like i could see the the excitement and nerves and like passion all in one and it was super cool that's what i mean by like vulnerable like you you see that you see them at like their most like just pure state i think it's really cool mm-hmm because yeah. like you, like maybe your gym presence is how people view you, right? Yeah. But in reality, I see the actual Angelo because we're friends and like we talk and like that's the meat day Angelo. And mm-hmm. like I think a lot of like I think a lot of people's internal emotions and feelings come out on meat day, which I think is a very pure and special like thing. So to be able to handle them, that's why I think handling so like to me at least handling so like it's just so fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of like the more fun things to do in powerlifting. Um, all right, so I mean, let's talk about you now. You're a junior world champion. Um, what does this world mean to you? Because I know that you have wanted to do it for such a long time, and you're finally there. Um, just describe your feelings, man. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm, I have yet to say this. I was gonna make this in my post. I have yet to even make a recap yet because I've yet I've yet to come to terms with my my performance, but. I'm going to say this to you. I, in my eyes, I lost. Mm. Just straight up. So to me, I love that people have worlds as like, this is the thing they want to go to and they idealize. It's basically our Olympics. That's like, that's very cool to me. It's very pure. It gives a lot of people. I love when people have a passion because I'm very passionate. So I love when people have something that they really want to go after or they have something that keeps them motivated. For me, it's to be the best 120 junior ever. And I'm a far ways from that. And I know that there are people that are trying to get that. And 
I understand that and I understand I need to be better. I have a lot of time to do it. And if I don't do it, it's okay. That's, I understand that, but I really want that. So that has always been my worlds to some people, right? A lot of people, their thing is worlds. Mine is to be the best drug tested 120 junior ever. And so records are what I chase. And so I am not close to those right now, Mm. especially in my world's performance right now. So that was kind of a a hit um, on the ego. And I've had a meet PR for seven meets in a row over almost close. I think over two years, I've had a meet PR total every meet and I did not meet PR this total. Um, So it hurts. So in my eyes, I mean, I lost like, Mm. especially getting like, I mean, I I looked at the numbers. I would have got ninth in the open and that's just, I mean, that's bad. I mean, you can, you can be like, Oh, ninth in the world, whatever. That's bad. It's, it's not good. So I mean, it comes down to just, I straight up need to be better. And I mean, I'm already focusing on that and I'm, I'm so excited to get back to training, but I, yeah, I mean, I'm not happy. I'm not happy at all with it. Um, that's the first squat I've failed in over a year and a half. I had to call the bench just because of my pec and like, I'm more annoyed with that than anything. Um, I'm glad I did that because who knows, maybe I would have re read the tour whatever like hurt it again and, and it feels pretty okay now definitely not healthy but i'm excited to get that to be healthy and then deads were okay i would have liked a little bit more on that but we kind of tapped those out so i was happy with that but overall um yeah i i, I actually am, am extremely disappointed that's the worst meet i've ever done objectively and like in my own eyes um six for six for eight basically six for nine i've never done worse than seven for nine it, it just hurt the ego, especially failing the squat on strength. Like I've only ever done that one other time in a meet. Um, and that was the only lift I missed. And I went, I went what eight for nine. So, and I like had a huge, P- I had a huge, a huge bench PR, a huge deadlift PR, a huge meat PR. So like, this was like, Oh, I failed a squat. I failed two squats. I only got my opener. I, I, st- I scratched the bench. My, I benched what for whatever. It doesn't matter. It's light. So Ah, I just get fired up because I'm like, I'm very disappointed in it. Um, but I just, I mean, there's a point where I can be disappointed and also motivated and like not take it too seriously. But in my own eyes, I, I did not do as well as I wanted. And then this leads me into another thing is that going into this meet, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to win IPF Worlds, which is like, it's just a chip. It's just a chip, right? It's a, it's a check in the book. I can, I can mark that off as something I've done. And then I'm going to go back to USAPL because I see what they're doing. I see how big things are getting. And that's where all the competition is right now. Like you said, uh, I think another federation is going to take a while to pop up. So maybe, maybe I'll just compete USAPL, take the ban for a couple months, whatever. That was before I went. But now that I've competed and got my humble pie and also just had that experience, I'm, I'm going to go back. I, I'm going to do whatever it takes to go back. So, um, that was something that I, I was fully like, this is my last one until I literally right after I did it, I was like, I, ca- I cannot end on this note. And any other meet is not the same. And I know that you've heard people talk about the vibes at Worlds and it feels different. I, I know you, I know the, the listeners will not see me look into your eyes and tell you this <laughs> with the, the intent that I'm going to tell you. It is so much different than any 
other thing I've ever, it does not even come close. And so that feeling, I've heard people talk about it, right? I've heard people saying worlds feels different. The, the, the adventure and the travel and the experience, it's, it's different. It's special and blah, blah, blah. Right. And, and you get this, this thought of what it's going to be like. I'm a very realistic person person and that it 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 so exceeded my expectations i i cannot it's just yeah i, I can't I, I as i'm stumbling i can't even get words over it it was it was truly special it was very cool and maybe that's because i got to handle four of the best worlds best lifters in the world maybe that contributed a little bit to it but it's it's something it's just ah, yeah it's just there's something to it yeah well what i mean going back on a lot of things you said one like the refreshingness of you just being honest is, in, in lack of a better term, I hate to repeat myself, but refreshing. Like it's a very refreshing thing to hear because how many times you hear a lifter have a bad performance that you know that was not what they were looking for. They didn't hit the numbers that they wanted. They didn't break the records that they wanted. But then they find that little thing and make that the subject of their meets. Like I came in to do this. And that was the goal. I had a bad meet, but we accomplished our goal. Like, it's a cope. You know that wasn't what they wanted to do. You know they didn't want to total that, but they, they got to say it now because it's it's hard to come to reality that they didn't exceed the goal or accomplish the goal that they set out for themselves. So it's nice to hear you say, like, I won. I'm a junior world champion, but it's not a good performance for me, and I want to improve upon that and, you know, and doesn't leave a good taste in your mouth. Um, that's a sign of, you know, that it's actually going to happen because I do see lifters, um, do the opposite of that where they come out with like, you know, I'm a junior world champion. That was the goal, but like they want four for nine or five for nine terrible meat. They didn't really get what they needed or they didn't really accomplish. They didn't get, didn't hit the numbers they wanted, but they always use that thing. Like junior world champion, junior world champion. I'm going to try to say that enough times so I feel better about myself. Um, and it's, it's good to see someone, you know, do the opposite of that. Um, it's something that's almost lost in powerlifting at times. And that is that, that's something that I heard so many times, and I think that is the glimmer of hope that people stick within the IPF is simply because of IPF worlds and the feeling. Because, like, that, and also, like, that's what the USAPL and other people who are trying to create something like the IPF have to recreate. They have to create that atmosphere themselves. They have to create that because that's something that I'm always curious about. Like, I'm not, you know, I think it's very clear where my bias is on this. I really like the direction of a professional professional development of powerlifting that the USAPL is taking. Hopefully they execute on it, but I really want to see this become a professional sport when we're on ESPN, when we're on major networks, where we're like CrossFit's where we have international people come in, where we have like a Super Bowl, if you will, whatever event you want to do, it's like the Super Bowl. And that's what I want for powerlifting. But I will be bullshitting you and everyone listening. If I didn't look at IPF Worlds and just think, what would it be like just to represent my country in this meet with all those people and competing against them? I really imagine that because I... I know it wouldn't suck. You know what I'm saying? I know it wouldn't fucking suck. I don't want to be a downer. Like, I'm just, I, you, know what I was, I, you know what I was thinking about? I was thinking just like, 
when it just be cool to fucking talk to the Italian lifters? Like, I talk to the Italian lifters, like, on Instagram and shit, and it's like, and we'll fucking probably Italian it up over there and shit. We'll be fucking, you know, Italian, like, oh, what's up, what's up, guy? And, like, hugging each other and kissing each other. Yeah, we're just fucking going around, you know, doing our shit. And we're chasing French guys because having their slingshot under their, their singlets. We're, we're beating the shit out of fucking cheaters and, you know, just chasing them. Like... That, to me, is something, even though, like, I I am going to stick around in the USAPL, but that's something that I owe, my mind is always going to go to. And it's still a special so, thing. Like, we know this special, like, that's why it's special. Yes, so I want to, I want you to, like, I want to be the poster man for this, right? And if to you. So, I am also, like, I, I was like, oh, this will be really cool, right? It's going to be, it'd, it'd be cool to represent my country. One, I only won the juniors. I didn't even win the open. Yeah. I, I had the, the worst meet I've ever had in my life, and I went six for nine. And nice. it was one of the coolest moments of my entire <laughs> fucking life. <laughs> like, if I'm not a good representation of how, like, it was literally the worst meet I've ever done. And I had, like, I had the most fun ever. I would have gotten, like, if I would have got third, I probably would have been more pissed. But I still would have been excited because it was it was just so cool like placing placing mattered to me a little bit honestly i mean like you talked about how like people have their own goals my goal was to get a pr total and with my pec it's been really fucking hard to progress anything i didn't think my squats were going to be as bad as they were deadlifts kind of showed up um but travel was really hard it was 36 hours of travel 36 plus hours of travel so that was hard but um yeah, yeah my my whole goal was i just wanted a two and a half kilo meat pr that was uh, and that was all I wanted. All I wanted. I just want to keep the streak alive because it showed improvement. And I failed miserably. <laughs> I totaled 30 kilos less than I did at nationals. So that's what's disappointing. But just being there, like, oh, see, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, I can tell you. Yeah. And you already said you have that. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, we, like, yeah. Oh, I, it's just like, I wish I could give people that feeling because that, oh, people would understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I think that's the I think the curiosity and also people who've experienced it before. That's why I think it's just hard leaving the IPF. Um, it, it's like it's, it's also just a hard like a hard decision to make. Um, Absolutely, including for it's me because so I, I think I, I I personally there's a lot. Of, I mean, there's a lot of shit that I disagree with the IPF, but you just can't really argue with the intangible that they created. Like it's some if people if enough people value it. That's what makes something special. It's like, I think it's, I, I'm confident in the USAPL making a better product that can emulate that and, and definitely surpass it, but you don't know this. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 a, I'm just putting my confidence in them. Like, I really don't know it. Um, it. It's going to be interesting going forward to really see, like, what the developments are had, but I I want to ask you this: If your performance was better, if you say one nine for nine and kicked ass, would you have the desire to go back? Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. It's, I it, expected it, that answer. Yeah, it was the it was that that intangible, just vibe. Mm-hmm. It's the experience that you get from that, and like you, I mean, you just said like there are. The, the things that people give worth are what makes it worth, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing with IPF Worlds is people can say, oh, you're a world champion, IPF world champion. And that, that the, uh, the support means everything. Yeah. 
the the attention is i mean i i do not do it for that so it doesn't matter too much to me but it's the fact that like every day i'd i'd compete or handle a lifter all day going like around all of these countries i i don't even i can't even pronounce some of these countries I, i i don't know what they're speaking i don't know what's going on and then we would go out to dinner with like the french team and then I went out to dinner with the, the Great Britain team. And the, we, we, I hung out with the Irish team at one point for a little bit. And you're, you're hanging out with a, a group of people that are just as passionate from you, just as passionate as you from a whole different country. And not only that, you're in a whole different country. I'm in Sweden. Sweden. I don't know what the f*** is going on. I don't know how to read the signs. I don't know how to order food. I don't know what their groceries are. And that's part of it. And like... Maybe the pro series brings in international lifters, but I, I promise you it will not be the same until if, if, if slash until the pro series can be somewhere in a different country, because well, that's what this is. Well, no, well, here's the, I mean, this is kind of my vision for it, which we're all, I think, I think, well, you, cause you're younger for me, it's going to be like this thing where I'm just hoping to leave it better because you know, like. It could be like I'm 34 years old when this happens, and this is my desire for it because I don't know how long these hey, things take for development. Be David Ricks, baby. Oh yeah, I'm no, I'm I'm a I'm a young 28. <laughs> I am I'm I'm fucking I have I've got a lot of youthful vigor still in me. But um, also, also don't want it to I don't want it to come off as like I'm like anti USAPL. I'm like I'm pro anything. I'm pro like yeah. I'm pro. I think I think most people. I mean, most people in this situation because that's what, that's I mean that's why I don't feed a bunch of bullshit on this podcast because i'm not going to sit here and say like i'm going to say fuck the ipf with a lot of their decisions they made but i've been fuck the usapl and a lot of decisions they made i mean if you want to listen to a few podcasts like that's this thing like i'm i'm the lifter i am the lifter i'm the i'm the every i'm the every lifter like if you guys lift weights i'm probably just i'm probably exactly like you I have a lot of opinions, and they're far, and they're just all over the place. And uh, I can be a cynic sometimes with those two, but you know, like I, if you listen to podcasts, definitely, you know, have bashed the USAPL before with decisions they made because I don't agree with them. I definitely bashed the IPF uh, more so the IPF recently, but that doesn't make me a whole, you know, super set in my ways. Um, yeah. I fuck. I lost my train of thought. What the fuck was I saying? <laughs> <laughs> Pro series and moving yeah, pro. Oh yeah, my development. Like what I want to see is what we have in professional sports already. Which you have your professional sports. You get your you, you get your championships. You get your Super Bowls. You get your World Series and all that shit. You get your heavyweight. I mean, even individual sports. You get your heavyweight championships. You know, you get your weight class titles. I still want to see an international presence, and it's not only because. You don't. I'm. I'm saying international presence, not because they're here. I want to see something like the IPF attached to it. Professional sports has that. In the NBA, you win your championship. You can play for the Olympic team. In baseball, you have the World Baseball Classic. In FIFA, you have it. You have this thing. I want a pro series, and also. I want IPF Worlds. I want everything. That, the, dude, that, that, is, that was the cool thing with USAPL Nationals and then the IPF Yes, was, I want it yes, all. 
That's what people are understanding. You're getting fucking banned from competing USA Beyond now. We're fucking banned. We're banned from the power of the Olympics. Well, and this is, and this is, well, yeah, this is exactly why I don't like the IPF a lot of times. Because of that. I don't like that rule. I hate that rule. It's stupid. I fucking hate it. It's a dumb goddamn rule. It needs to go away. It's stupid. And I, and to USAPL's credit, sorry if I'm being an apologist here, they offered a pro series along with an IPF to the IPF and they said no. This is, that was my dream. That's what I wanted. I wanted a, powerlifting needs to be a professional sport and it's not about the money. I'm sick of hearing people say it's about the money. It's not about the money. It's about just progressing the sport to a professional level. This is what the sport needs. Is it, the money is secondary to that, but a professional looking sports is the number one objective. Especially and an international pre- and an international presence is a perfect way to cap it all off. That's yeah. what I want in sport. That is my goal. If Especially and you know what, I I'm confident it could still happen. I am not I'm not losing faith in this. If it, if I'm 37 years old and it happens, fantastic. I'm happy. That means I'm one of the you know the origin members of powerlifting because that's exactly what I want. Yeah, I mean, especially the top lifters, money is, we do not get this in, we, we do not get in it, in, for, in it for the money. We no one, don't. no one has ever, no one has ever gotten powerlifting for the money, because if you did, well, you're insane, because, like, I mean, you don't, you don't get into powerlifting for money, exactly. but, like, if you look at John Hack, like, John Hack moved to USPA for money, so, yeah. like, yeah, I mean, from yeah. my understanding, from my, my no, 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 you're, yeah, you're right, I'm just saying, like, if, like, we got into powerlifting for money, it's like, well, no, no one has ever done. I think everyone, I, I'm going to make a very bold claim here. Everyone well, got into it just to lift weights. Initially. I, I disagree highly with that, actually. Really? For yeah. powerlifting? So, what, was, mean, like, what, what would I, the other incentive be? I think a lot of, well, to make money from powerlifting was my thing. I think a lot of people get into this too. I got into powerlifting to, like, not to make money, but to make a career out of it, which I absolutely did. So, okay. I mean, I think a lot of younger lifters too, like they'll see Russ and they get into it because they think, okay, I can become, but I can make money from powerlifting. Here's, here's the thing. I don't think that's their main objective ever. I mm. think it's, I, I think, I think it's a hobby or a passion that they also are like, man, I can make money off this. And it's a great idea. I'm just going to go on record and say I don't think people like will get into this like man I really because there's people in the NFL that don't like football, but they're fucking right. good at it and they have to make money and that's it's life changing money. I don't think people in powerlifting get into powerlifting and hate it because it no, makes them yeah. money. You know what right. I mean? They I think they have this still passion for lifting weights and being a powerlifter, but also they have an objective to make money. But I think first and foremost. They have a passion for powerlifting where a basketball player might have a passion for making money. And then the basketball thing is second. That's the job part. I agree with your statement that you said there will not be a powerlifter that hates lifting but does it to make money. At least from powerlifting. There are general fitness people that don't like general fitness but do it because they've made it their career. And you see that with long-term. It's so wild to me. I mean, that's crazy to me. Kind of, I like mean, it becomes. I would just, job. I would just be an accountant. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like it's, it's just at least I get to eat what I want. The the first person that comes to to my mind actually is I actually love this guy's is Nick Wright. 
Mm. And he he ended up like leaving and now he's like a full-time day trader. And I, I really like Nick Wright a lot. Um, I like look up to him a little bit, actually. He's, he's, I mean, what he's done has been super fucking cool, but he was so into it with his whole life. It became his job, his career, his, his life and his, his everything. Right. And he, he just, he did it to just do it because it was his job for a long time. From my understanding, again, mm. maybe he, he, his actual experience is different, but it became his like identity. And then he got away from that because he was just like, he, he didn't want to do that anymore. Right. So I think that, that, that happens not powerlifting because it's not as big. It's not e- as easy, but I definitely think it happens. And, um, so I kind of, yes and no, but also like there are people that they'll see like Russ's videos or they'll see Instagram people's lifting and maybe, maybe they're just naturally strong and they have zero passion for lifting weights. They've never lifted a weight in their life, but then they start lifting weights and then yeah. they start doing it to get better and, and better. But the, maybe like the, the passion of lifting weights was never there in the first place. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, I think like, there's something you have to grow to. I mean, yeah. my, I mean, it's really like my life now um, or like a big portion of my life. And I like I said, the people I I legit hated the weight room when I first got into it. It's, it, really? it's it, Oh, yeah. When I was 15 years old, it scared the shit out of me. Uh, well, there's a difference between hated and it's scaring you. Oh no! It was, it was. It was. I mean, I, I, I would get like a sick feeling going up to the weight room. <laughs> like, I, it was. It was just kind of. I mean, I guess it was me. I think it's just um, huh. Uh, growing up in the era of still like bullying, where bullying is kind of taken. Like, I was still in the era of bullying, where like you're 14, 15 years old, and you have to work out with like grown adults in a yeah. football weight room, and you're just sitting there like, I gotta. I gotta, I gotta just muscle through this and not show any pain and not show any embarrassment because I'm gonna get made fun of no matter what. And like going through that every single day, I think is what made me hate the weight room. But I think the consistency of doing it and actually getting better and seeing that progress. And I mean, like powerlifting wasn't on any of our minds, you know. Yeah. And really, none of us got into powerlifting aside from me. Like after we got it done with our high school football careers, um, but it was like the thing that I eventually progressed into enjoying to a point but then it was once I got that freedom to like just work out on my own time that's when I really loved weightlifting yeah that's when I really enjoyed lifting weights and that's where it progressed into eventually powerlifting but like yeah I I, I dislike I disliked the weight room tremendously when I first started up until I was like 16 years old Angelo Pasti- Pasta Fortino <laughs> Going from a fourteen-year-old crying doing dumbbell curls <laughs> to to a bronze medal, baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it was. It, I mean, it's like a funny thing going back on it, like the high school days, like getting stapled by hilarious weight, and but also <laughs> like actually like seeing, like going back on it, like seeing the potential that I just didn't know that would be my life ten years later. It's like I squatted. I think when I was fifteen years old, two seventy-five. Like, do a good squat. And, like, that's a good way to start at. And then the coach was like, damn, that was actually pretty damn good. Like, you actually <laughs> have good technique and form. And just turns out, I was like, oh, now, now that's my, completely my thing. It's just lifting weights and then trying my best to have perfect form on things. Um, and yeah. I think that also, prog- I think that that's something, like, lifters that I share. It's like all the high-level ones, too, even, even them. I think the incentive there to make money is there. But they love lifting still. Like training with Russ. Training with Russ is awesome. I just want to. I just want to point that out to everyone. 
The dude doesn't do it for the money. He loves training and loves the competition aspect of it. It's fun to train with him because of that. It's like you never know what you're going to get when you train with people, but it's it's a blast training with him, and he's the best in the world at what he does. And then same thing when I lift it with other high-level athletes. Like not, not one of them is like, oh, this fucking sucks. They're all just they're all just having a good time, like just trying to fucking get better. Like that's, it, and it's always and it's always the high level ones, the ones who self deprecate and kind of like, man, fuck this. This is the guys who don't last. Correct. So yeah, I think it's easier to do that in general fitness or bodybuilding because it's like you can say that it sucks because like low key it kind of does. Yeah, literally. But, yeah, at times it literally sucks. Yeah, but powerlifting is like. It's low key kind of easy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, also, but you're, also a little more and a little more enjoyable. You know, like yeah. it's easy to have camaraderie in the gym. Yeah, like it's hard yeah. to when you're a bodybuilder. Like when you like say if you're a competitive bodybuilder and you deprive yourself of carbs, you turn pissy. Like you're you get angry easily. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you. I I think I first heard this. I actually had experienced this before he posted it, but I first heard of this from, I think it was Russ's Instagram story, but I had already experienced this anywhere from like five to four weeks in like five, four, three, two, one weeks out from a meet. Do you get more irritable? Have you ever noticed that? Because I 100% do. Uh, more irritable. I wouldn't like no. everything. I honestly, I'm, no. I'm on edge more. I'm more irritable. I'm angrier more. Like I just don't have time to deal with people. It. I think it just a, it's a mishmash where I can't really because there's just times where I'm just more irritable, and I think training is 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 contributing to that because it's like the other stuff that's happening within my life, and training is just another thing that I have to yeah. balance with that. So like. If I'm stressed at work or I'm, you know, just stressed with just different adult shit, I don't know, like, what else to really put on there, but start to that, and then, like, it, it carries into the gym where it's not the gym and me being in prep that's causing it, it's me being in prep with the combination of stressful work environment, different situations within, you know, your personal life. And it's like a mix, it's like a mishmash between the two because yeah. because like two or three if things are going good like two or three weeks out it's like I'm fucking chilling like I'm good like I'm 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 solid um, but if it's but if so, so, but something like shitty happens maybe at work or uh, stress is building up in other areas of my life and then I had to prep for a big meet and I'm two or three weeks out I'll be ex- extremely irritable because it's just another added pressure element to my life and pressure will probably make me a bit of an asshole yeah i mean i'm also like i like i mean as you know i'm a full-time coach so i coach a lot of people and i i for sure realize it in my athletes and anywhere from five weeks out to under like i have to honestly when i send out my last block to an athlete like the four week ish out block i'll tell them hey this is going to be hard and you're probably going to be like angry, but I notice it like in the text, like there's been athletes that have been like, I don't, I do not want to prep anymore. Like they're like, I, I fucking hate this. They're like, I'm done with it. My old, my old injuries are popping up. I can't deal with this. And then they do the meet and they're just, let's fucking go. Let's get back into prep. 
the yeah. taper. I mean, the usually the taper is like kind of that boost. But you're really you're getting to that point where I mean, it is it is having a, it, it it does you know have some sort of effect on your mood when you're overreaching, and that's where you're trying to yeah. get into that point. It's like an where, overreaching stage. Where I was going with that was most like bodybuilders or like gen pop people or like like hyper focused fitness people is like they're in that stage a lot more often than us. So I can mm-hmm. see where they're irritable and angry yeah. and like, yeah, they, I mean, they're literally like they're training for like a different reason and, and I respect everything they do, but for sure, like, I mean, when I'm five weeks out, I'm, I got, I'm on edge. So I can see why they are. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I, so I, I'm, as you were saying, I was trying to think of like different meets that I've done, like the Arnold. Yes. And that was another added pressure kind of thing because that was like, man, if I suck at this meet, maybe I'm just not as good at powerlifter as people think because that was kind of the meet that I wanted to be propelled into the top five and break a record and all that kind of stuff. So like I was on it then, but then, uh, for, and then for Midwest prime time, I had to train at like midnight and like up until one o'clock and it was like during COVID and I was extremely irritable then. I remember I fucking, I, I, after a deadlift, I, I fucking threw my phone. I was pissed off how my deadlift I, my deadlift moved. I was alone in the gym at 1 o'clock in the morning, but then I'm thinking to myself, was that because I was at the gym at 1 o'clock in the morning because I had to work my fucking labor job because of, like I had to work a labor job because it was COVID and I couldn't get another job that I wanted? On top of that, I was competing at a big meet that I really wanted to do well at, so I was more irritable then. But for the meet I did you know, for ultimate warrior, I was just kind of chilling. Like everything was just going well. I was hitting my lifts, you know, we're, and then the same thing with nationals. Like we were like, you know, the pressure was building, but I was just kind of, I was more excited than anything. Like I was excited. So I I think it's just, it's, it's just the, uh, the combination of just what life is given at you or how you handle that, you know, that set of pressure. I mean, fuck, if I was competing for world, maybe just cause that's nothing, that's something I haven't done yet. I was being a world, maybe be like, fucking, I'm, I'm on hedge, man. I'm, 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 I'm an irritable guy. Yeah. I would definitely say that the, the meat that you're going to do is, is definitely the deciding factor. So if you put a lot of value in it or you put like, you really want to do well, or there's something that you're trying to go after, then I, I think for sure there will be more, like more chance for you to be more irritable, which like a lot of like newer lifters that I have, like it's their first meat. They, they're going to put a lot of like a lot of oomph into it as I would say. And so like worlds for me, my excitement like far exceeded my irritableness. So mm-hmm. I actually like barely was irritable at all because I was just so, so excited to go. I was more excited to handle than to actually compete. So like, I didn't even care. I almost, if I wouldn't have competed, I would have flown out just to handle people. Cause I was so excited to handle people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that would make, that would, I mean, yeah, that would make sense. I think, I think Nashville's was very similar for me. It was like, I was just finally excited, like, because primetime, like, like, uh, we didn't have a primetime session. I really wanted that primetime session when I saw 2019. We didn't have it, but I knew, like, you know, you did good. You're up there. You're going to be with those guys. You're going to be competing with those guys. I know it's not primetime, but it is primetime, because all I want to do is just see what it's like competing against them. And I was more excited for that. I'm like, if I suck at this meet, if I suck, at least I had that. At least I had that thing that I got to do. Like, at least I got to, you know, train. At least I got to compete with Russ and Noriega and Delaney again. Even though I, I competed with Delaney a, a few times, uh, two times. 
Um, so I'm kind of used to him by now. I'm used to him beating me. Um, but, uh, you know, all the, like, and, you know, uh, you know, Jimmy Villanueva, um, uh, Daniel Sheldon. Like, I would just, this is, this is, like, what, this is actually kind of a once in a lifetime thing. Cause we're talking, uh, Jamar Royster is another guy. Like, this is once kind of a, a once in a lifetime thing. Like, to, to train with all each other. Like, yeah. to, to compete with each other. Like, and we are legit talking here about, like, six of the best. And, and all, fucking Deuce Gruden, too. I was actually kind of starstruck when I saw Deuce. Like, this is one of the only times in my career, potentially, that I'm competing with legit, like, the seven best 83 kilo lifters in the world. Not just the USAPL, but, like, the world. Especially now that things are broken up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And... If I sucked, it's like at least I got to do that. That's like the, the, if I got if I went three for nine, like you know it was cool. Compete, it was cool sharing the platform with all those guys in the back. I guess, um, <laughs> like even though it came in a bad performance, like I think that like throughout my training was like that excitement was still there and like there was still a still a bright spot at the end of the tunnel. Even like with all because uh, negative thoughts do come into your mind when you're like when you're training like so now do you have like so now after nationals did you still have the like i need to get better i'm, I'm happy with my progress progress i did everything i wanted to do but i need to get better kind of vibes oh, or yeah. were you pretty pretty happy oh yeah there's there's never been a thing i mean i was happy for i i, I think i said I, I might have said it to you but i think i said on the when i was on king of lifts it, the happiness of accomplishing something in powerlifting for me like lasts like 24 hours. It's just 24 hours of gratification because there's always something. There's always something to get better at. Be, you know, we accomplished our goal getting top three. That was our goal to podium at Raw Nationals. Um, PR the total. I'll do all that shit. But I don't know how you can't be motivated when two other people are better than you. And arguably three, you know, like I beat Noriega, but he hurt his hamstring. So like, you know, he has, he's got two A25 totals. I haven't totaled that yet. So I'm going to put him a little bit higher than me. Um, it's just like, how do you, how do you not exactly. want to get better? You know, like, how do you just feel that way? I and the same thing, Arnold. I was on cloud nine at the Arnold because it was from going 725 at nationals, you know, going 12th, becoming a meme. You know, kind of like you know all that shit. Like you were, it builds up a little bit, and Still then learning. you're 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 like you're like a like it's like yeah, man, I'm, am I the meme guy? Like what's going on? Like and then you and then at Arnold, like you know, huge improvement on my total. I, you know, broke all time world record deadlift at the time. I was on cloud nine, but then as soon as I got home, like I looked at my total and I looked at Russ's total. Like fuck, I'm a long way off. Like, cool, I have a record, but I'm a long way off. And then I looked at Noriega's total. And then, you know, Delaney still beat me that weekend. Like, I had a 9-for-9 nine nine day, kicked some ass, and fucking Delaney beat me by 15 kilos. So, like, I would, that Monday, it's like, we gotta, we gotta do something here to get better than these guys. Yeah, and when you asked me, like, how I would have felt if I went 9-for-9 nine nine and had the perfect day... How you felt is exactly how I would feel. Well, uh, yeah. Well, then uh, even uh, say if I won actually, say if I beat Russ on that Monday, come me. Of course, I'll be happy, but probably happier than I did got getting third. But 
Russ isn't gone. I didn't kill him. Exactly. <laughs> like, I didn't, like, he's still alive. Like, he's going to be coming after me. Then you have other people are coming after you. Like, the guys, like, Atwood finds extra gears. And he's so ahead, but he finds extra gears. Like, yeah. if if he's constantly motivated, then I have to be constantly motivated. Because I'm not Atwood. Broken. Atwood is literally fucking broken. Yeah. <laughs> It, it doesn't it actually it actually doesn't make sense to me. He yeah, he's insane. Props to him. Yeah, like also, I've only known I've only known dominance from him. But it gets better. He finds gears. Yeah, that's like it is insane. Like it's crazy. Because I mean I'm chasing like records, right? What the fuck is he chasing? Yeah, like, no, that shit just goes. Yeah, and then, yeah, and I think he's like taking the like he's like the hack of the natties. Um, because Hack, I guess, could have been the Hack of the Natties too. Um, if he would have decided to stay, but he's kind of like that. Where I think it's just like, what? How? How much higher can we take it? How much more dominant can we get? Um, um, we'll, we'll edit that out. Um, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. Did I mute it? Yeah, you're good. <laughs> oh, so now we have that edit. Yeah, we have that edit out. <laughs> I fucked up. Um, yeah, because I saw it coming. By the way, everyone, I actually might not edit it out now because it's funny. Isaac sneezed, and I saw it coming. Oh, no. Isaac sneezed, and it came from, like, 30 seconds away. Like, it was, like, the buildup was insane to it. Um, but, like, he, I think he just wants to just see how much more dominant he can be than the rest of the field. I think, actually, in his mind, he just wants to beat the 83-kilo total, whatever national media does, or, like, break that record just to go up because – he finds ways to get motivated. He was like motivated for a second because Perk looked like he was close to the to his total. Even though I still think Atwood was relatively higher and better than Perk, but he found it still and just nuked. I guess. I guess the eighty three. Yeah, I guess he could be chasing the eighty three. That makes a lot of sense. Because like, I mean, at some point you ha- like in my brain, like I'm I'm just a, a pleb. But in my brain, like you gotta be chasing something. You cannot just be like, like when you're when you're literally the best, like the best ever by far. Drugs, not drugs, anything. Just literally the fucking best. Like he is. Like you gotta like you can't just not be chasing anything. But if you're chasing eighty three, that gives you something to chase. Well, I, I guess I didn't think about he, that. You know what? Just kind of also just like getting a little glimpse of him. You know, having him on the podcast and just talking to him. I think the dude is just insanely competitive like he finds yeah. things like the motherfucker went ape shit on my hair and his hair and then like buried me and they call me lord farquad like <laughs> yeah i'm like you don't have to win this shit too man like i i like i someone said jokingly that i had nicer hair than you but i think that's another element of his competitiveness like no i can't lose at something i have to constantly win like i I think he's just a competitive guy where it's like, I want to, the, the, the thing maybe he's facing is like, I want to win nationals by 60 kilos this year, or I want to completely, or I want to, like, I want to set the deadlift record for the 83s yeah. as a 74. I, I, now I think a guy like him, that's where the pro series, like those best overall lifter kind of things, like we see the Virginia pro, even though he's not doing it anymore. Um, that would be a meet like I could see him doing just to just just for him to say like, yeah, I'm better than everyone. And it's not even close. And it's not my weight class. It's not even close between like Ash and Ruska. It's not even close between, 
Uh, even the females, because that's what would be happening at a Virginia Pro. Be like, I'm better than Amanda Lawrence, too. I'm better than, like, I think that's, like, it's just, there's always something that he can beat people on. I mean, Knowing yeah. him, he'd yeah. be like, he'd be like, oh, fuck, I only out-totaled them by eight good lift points. <laughs> like, God damn it. Fuck, man. <laughs> Complains about on his caption, everyone's like, fuck you, Atwood. <laughs> nine for nine, 2,100. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah, I guess t- totaling 2K at, uh, at at 74, that would that would cement him into to uh, to goat supremacy like in another Probably dimension. Probably not to him. Probably not to him because he's just that built different. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I gotta get this really quick out of you before we go. I gotta give you a lifter rating, or you gotta give me a lifter rating. I don't know if you're prepared for it, but I don't get. I a actually. Literally, I was talking to somebody right before this, and I told them I was coming on the podcast, and they they were looking through. They said two things: one, damn, they have a lot of hot takes, and, and two, <laughs> oh, that's cool, they do lifter ratings. What would you give yourself? So I'm prepared. All right, fantastic. And then this episode at both because I said Bill McCarthy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about, and uh, <laughs> and we have and we have a lifter rating here too. So all right, give me him, my man. Squat bench and deadlift. Right. So I'm, I'm going to do the open because Junior's just meh. So I only thought – I didn't think a squat bench and deadlift. Um, I just thought of my overall. So I'm going to start with my overall. It's going to be an 84. Um, that's going to be my overall. Um, and then – or wait. Yeah, 84. I think it was 84 or 83. And then my squat. So now that I, I got to think about it, it's going to be like an 87. 86. I'm going to give it 86. My bench. Are we going off like best meat number or how it is right now? Best meat number. Okay. My bench is actually probably like an 89. And then my deadlift is probably like an 82. All right. Nice. I would say you have the prettiest deadlift for big guys. Uh, Hey, if we're going by form, it's up there. I'd give it like a, a 90. 96 maybe 90 maybe maybe 97 i I also honestly go ahead i also want to add in special ones like Like, meat day handling what do you put yourself at oh man meat day handling okay oh man (laughs) i like i don't i'm i'm like the least conceited person ever but like i'm gonna give myself oh Man, oh, yeah, these are gonna be the fun ones when I just give people like, all right, rate yourself on this. <laughs> it's because I'm very confident, and I I think a lot. Honestly, I'm giving myself a 98. I was bouncing between a 98 and a 97. Nice. I'm gonna give myself a 98. I'm I, like a, I'm a, I deserve it. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> Pat myself on the back, which I usually don't do. Yeah, very good. I like that. I like that a lot. So, all right, give me give me those numbers again. You said squat was oh squat 80. Six. Okay. Bench was eighty or no. Bench was ninety. Ninety. And then eighty two deadlift. Eighty two. And then the special four. category of meat day handling is a eighty four overall and then ninety eight for All the right. handling. Fantastic. Alright, well the oh, Oracle shit. That's gonna start some shit up. Maybe I should go ninety seven. Nope. What? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll that'll do it. Like, oh, he gave himself a ninety seven though. If he would have given himself a ninety eight, motherfucker would have been so mad. No, but that's how I think. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm okay with a 97, but a 98? Are you serious? That would. You know what, though? Based on some of the lifter ratings we do, that's some of the arguments we get in the comments because they're, like, off by, like, two overall points. And I'm yeah. like, I, I love you guys for commenting, but I also hate you because... You're you're just making me mad by being difficult. Like they're like, are you sure? Is uh, I mean, of course it was Russ. Of course, so I'm gonna argue with Russ. Wow. The the rating that Russ gave himself, not me giving Russ. <laughs> so they they're talking about his deadlift, like because his deadlift was at like a 95 or something, which is a fantastic. I think you got to put him at 98. I'm like, so you're three points off. So three, or do you, or is it, he was like, you got to put him at ninety seven. I'm like, okay, so how about ninety six? Are you happy with the ninety? It's two points off, motherfucker. Like, what's? It's not that big of a deal. It's not. We're not talking. If, if, if there's not a five point difference, we're we're on the same page here. Think of think of the numbers as like your total. Think of a one percent change in your total. That's a lot. Yeah. It's not just ninety eight to ninety seven. That's a whole ten percent change. Yeah. In like. In the whole grand scheme, but yeah, I don't know. Ninety-eight is pretty cocky, but I don't know. It's handling. It's not because of. It's not that I do anything special. It's just that I'm I'm passionate and like I'm 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 gonna get I'm gonna do my best and like I, I think it's gonna be in my opinion a lot better than than other people can do. Yeah, and also on top of that, um, if anyone disagrees when we post on Two Highlights, you don't have to say a word, and the people with the hot takes will just. Do what they do best and just get into an insane internet fight where we hurl insults at people. But I'll they do it on my personal page. Because I'm professional. Because I'm professional. <laughs> we, I'm going to look I'm gonna look hella cocky. It's going to be like, oh, Isaac Candle's a couple world champions and he's a 98. <laughs> that's how it's going to look. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... I think people, that's a funny thing about doing list ratings. People are actually worried about that. And it's like, dude, don't worry about it. Because one, it's Instagram. So it's Instagram. So, it's, you know, it's like, one, it's useless. And two, it's, uh, it's you're going to get negativity no matter what you do. Like, yeah. you, can, you can actually do something amazing. Like, um, undeniably good. And you will have some asshole, like, say something stupid. Like, we even went through it with the, the two white lights thing, where like uh, we just posted some of the people who won, and we didn't post certain people because like well it wasn't really like that big of a story in our mind. So it's like no disrespect to Keiko, but where's Russ post? It's like hey, why don't you comment that in my DMs, you motherfucker, instead of instead of commenting on Keiko's thing because this is about Keiko right now. It's not about Russ. And also, Russ won a weight class relatively easily. Like, I, it's like, you know, we weren't sitting like, is Russ going to win? Oh, my God. No, we, we knew he was going to win. So we didn't make a story about it. Keiko was crazy. So that's yeah. why we did it. But then, and that was, that's like the restraint I have to have with two white lights. Because there's going to be a day where two white lights is going to comment. Like, you're, you're like, just an absolute insult. Like, don't ever comment <laughs> on my page again. You're a fucking moron. And then everyone's like, is this an actual, is it? Is this a like a powerlifting like media page? Like I don't think you can say that. <laughs> Imagine if ESPN did that once. Yeah, like right. e yeah, ESPN just like somebody comments like LeBron's not that good. It's like hey, I can tell Shut you. Shut the don't fuck know. up. Yeah, it's like oh, hey, I can tell you don't know anything about basketball. You fucking loser. <laughs> and the verified account comes up and says that it's like 
Honestly, if the ESPN honestly, just call me a like fucking that'd be, loser, that'd be good for them. <laughs> yeah, if they just do, you know what the thing is? They do it once. Yeah, one time. Just, just, like just random. Yeah, they just go. Or the <laughs> the funnier thing, the the Instagram account like posted on their story, and they bash like that guy, and then they just do it once, like like insanity happens, and they just never acknowledge it again. Other things like you think of like Twitter, right? Like fast food Twitter, they do that. Oh yeah, they'll like just straight up bash people, and it's like a thing. So yeah, maybe, I love that. Maybe you, maybe you can become that. yeah. So sports sports organizations do it too, but like it's always when it's a sports organization, it's okay. But like if it's a worldwide like uh like company and they do that, like ESPN, will be like, whoa, that was crazy, and then they just never acknowledge it again. <laughs> Like Maybe. that would that would that would be the greatest joke of all time. You could turn into like an Elon. <laughs> Elon just fucking roasts people. Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, what about um? Wait, who's number one? Uh, Elon, Elon's most. No, I no, think no. Bezos yeah. or some shit. Bezos. Wait. Are you no, talking about most wealthy? Yeah, the the most wealthiest in the world. I think that's Bezos. But who's second? I think maybe I have no idea. I'm gonna be no, completely honest. I think, I think Elon. No, no, I think Elon took him over, and now on every one of Bezos's like tweets, Elon just comments a second place medal because he's the second. Like, and it's like nice. so. It's so I was about to say, I think Bezos' wife is second, or ex-wife. She got a she got a hefty oh, sum. Yeah, she got a hefty sum of that divorce money. You'd imagine. I I'd be I'd be I am imagining it. I'm imagining marrying Jeff Bezos right now, so I can just get. (laughs) I wonder if he thinks I'm handsome because (laughs) because I that would be great to divorce him and get even only like ten million dollars. Even though I know I'm worth more than that, but just get like (laughs) we'll settle on ten million. I'm not going to be too greedy. I could make a whole living off of. I could do great things with ten million dollars, guys. That's what's gonna. That's what's gonna cost me to to get you as a trophy husband. Ten mil. Yeah. I'll do that. Okay. I'll keep that right. in mind when, nice. when I'm investing. Nice. All right. Yeah. That's, that's my, I mean, anyone asking, that's my asking price. $10 million. I think it's pretty high. I think it's good. It's respectable though. It's people like, do, it's, people do it for less. True. true. Well, yeah. true. But Trophy they, wives yeah. at least. Yeah. Yeah. They do it for I less. Mean, people do it for more. That too. I'm yeah. just, I'm in the middle there. Always, always be in the middle. Well, not a saying that you should be saying. <laughs> Always be in the middle there. Yeah, that seems like a not Angelo saying, actually. <laughs> yeah. Hold on, I, I find myself on the middle a lot. I just have, I don't have crazy opinions. I just, no, I just say you, fuck. You are not in the middle a lot. What you do is you go to one side and then you'll be like, but the other side has this, so I'm not actually that far on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> when in reality you are. I I am going to disagree with that. Um, just based on my my just based if we're going IPF and USAPL, I think there is a much slander on two white lights history on the USAPL than IPF. You think that there's what? There's as much slander in the USAPL if we go through the archives and two white lights than the IPF. As far as opinions go. Yeah, but like your opinion of the USAPL is higher than the IPF. And oh, well, of course, that. definitely. No, I, exactly. I agree with that's that. What I'm saying. 
but you're not saying that the IPF is bad because you'll say, well, the IPF isn't bad. I just disagree with the, some of the things they say. Yeah. That's what you'll say. But then you'll be like, yeah, I fucking love the USAPL though. I love it. Never, never said that in my life. Aside from now, because there's not an incentive for me. <laughs> true. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, oh, by the way, guys, I'm a sellout too. I don't know if you guys knew this, but I'm a, I'm a, I, I literally listed myself at $10 million. I'm a, I, there's a, there's a price and it's set at 10. Use so. my code on Stoic, uh, yep. on 110%, and on the uh, USA no. Powerlifting's apparel. Uh, uh, not an official sponsor yet of Two White Lights, 110%. That is coming soon. Oh, Be on okay. the lookout. I'm saying Angela's code. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the athlete code. But, yes, Stoic, Notorious, Leffler Bros, anyone, McDonald's. Um, Coca-Cola. Angel, or uh, Barilla. Barilla. Oh, yeah, I sold out super quick. I actually almost got canceled for that because apparently Barilla said some, like, bad things about gay people. And I was like... Oh, she did really? And I was like, guys, I'm not really fucking... <laughs> like, guys, I'm not a sponsor. I legit had someone DM me, like, how can you support this company? Like, you're not getting the joke here that I'm not actually <laughs> sponsored by Barilla? I'm like, did you... One, amazing, what... JoJo's photoshops can do for people because it was just a photoshop picture but I was like uh no I'm not actually sponsored by Barilla guys I thought you I thought you got the joke but apparently it was lost in some and I'm like oh by the way didn't know that they were a little homophobic didn't know that didn't go deep into the history and the the uh nuances of Barilla sorry guys that's on me Hey, you know, the Raiders did, so they got you covered. <laughs> yes, yeah, they yeah, they, they did some digging there. I can't wait. I you know what what I'm hoping for is powerlifting to get big enough. <laughs> where where ten years later they look at the crazy shit we said on Instagram and being like, Well well, Gatorade has to drop Isaac Whistler now because he said some crazy shit in a group chat. So, <laughs> so, and they just go through all of our things like, oh yeah, powerlifting was a different place 10 years ago. True. Oh my gosh. True. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we already have to be careful because Angela is going to take us to the promised land mm-hmm. of, of a pro series. That's going to be like the Super Bowl, And then we're all going to go to the Olympics. Yeah. That's, that's the goal. I would love, I would love to be the reason why, but then also, uh, potentially get the entire sport canceled. Um, <laughs> well, for you, yeah, yeah, for for me. Hopefully, someone will be there, like to kind of take helms. So, like, that's actually Steve Denovi's job. That's like, True. yeah, Steve is like the guy who's the godfather. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he he comes in and he gets the PS. He he is like the good PR relations, is Steve. So, um, <laughs> good, he always good PR performance. Yeah, yeah, Pete, very good. Hey, I, that pun went right over my head. I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't believe that wasn't intentional on my part. <laughs> all right brother i gotta close this up it's always awesome having you on two white lights you are one of our favorites because we always get into just random conversations for about 45 minutes that was just all over the place we do do that <laughs> yeah it was it was good it was good man uh i wish you luck in everything we're definitely going to talk uh definitely going to see what you do next um can't wait to see you again of course Yes, there will be another time. Like, who knows when that is, but it's probably going to be soon. If you, if you head up to Collegiate Nationals. Yes. I actually am thinking about um, there's like a TSS meet in December or something like that. Everybody's going to it. Fantastic. Uh, so, yeah. That's, yeah, it's in December. 
Yeah, or uh, yeah. first, second week? What is the second 6th, week? Or 14th or 11th or something like that. Yeah. I'll be, yeah. Might be going to that. I don't know. I'll be, I'll be in San Antonio for that. That'll be a good time. All right, man. Have fun. Thank you for coming on. We'll see you guys later. Peace. Absolutely. Thank you.